Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast, the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Also, share the show with a friend or an enemy or a neighbor or your pet rock or your pet dog or whatever floats your boat, kids. I hope your pandemic's still going well because it's still going on. And one area it's affected is certainly the uh, real estate biz. I got an awesome guest for you today. It is the Boston Podcast. He's a Boston guy through and through, so we're going to talk a little Boston sports later. We've got a quiz coming up that's really cool in an edition of Wicked Smart. We've got a good stuff segment where my guests and I will both recommend something good. So that's those are teasers for you, kids. That's what that's called in the podcast industry. Please welcome my guest, real estate agent extraordinaire and Sharon Mass resident Mike Freeman. Here he is in the virtual studio. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Mike? I'm good, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. You're uh, you're very welcome. I'm I'm glad we're doing this. I've I've known Mike for a long time. He's helped me out professionally with some real estate uh stuff. It's not as impressive as it sounds. Trust me. I was just looking for some place to live and Mike's been uh, super patient and enduring me because I seem like I can never make up my mind. So anyway, but we're recording this on a, a Monday morning. So all the enthusiasm in my voice is completely fabricated and you know, I got coffee and some meds and I'm doing okay. But Mike, how are you and how has your pandemic been going? Yeah, I'm good, Dave. It's, you know, it's been a really interesting time, you know, between what's going on with my kids and what's going on in the business. You know, as you know, I have a kid, my son graduated with your son, Mm -hmm. enrolled in the Marines. And yeah, uh, unbelievable. So go ahead. Tell yeah, tell us about what you hear from Sam. Yeah, so Sam's doing great. You know, he he went in June to basic training, graduated in October. So unfortunately, with the pandemic, we weren't able to go to graduation, which, you know, is tough for the family, especially my wife. But then he went to infantry training and graduates from that this week. And we're hoping we get to see him for a few weeks soon. Mm. And then he just found out he's going to be doing presidential duty for the next three years for security. So Really? Yeah. So his job for the next three years is going to be security, which he knew, but he didn't know where he was going to be. He could have been overseas at embassies and at naval bases and he just got assigned to the white house so he's what marines yeah my god hold on i've I've got the his sam's theme song here Uh, 
I'm standing up and saluting. <laughs> of course. I appreciate uh, that. All right. So this is, I knew he was in the Marines and I, you told me he was doing well, but the White House. So what does that mean? When will he be there? And uh, can he get there right now, actually? Because there's someone I want him to remove. Yeah, <laughs> same here. So yeah, I, I guess since I saw you last, you got assigned to do security at the White House and He's one of only four Marines out of 180,000, and he and another guy are the first machine gunners to ever get this assignment. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah, so he graduates this week from infantry training, and then come home for I don't know how long, and then he goes to security training. And then after security training, he'll start actually doing security at the White House. This so, is so exciting. Yeah, he's really excited. I mean, in one way, he was hoping to travel the world. Yep. and go to naval bases and go to embassies. But on the other hand, he and the other three guys recognize that it's quite an honor and that they had to go through the highest level of, of clearance for security. So, you know, he's, yeah, he's excited. We're glad that he's going to be closer to home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said to me recently, he's getting to do what he really signed up to do. And mm -hmm. it's been really tough on kids going to college and having to deal with the pandemic. But, you know, other than us not going to graduation, you know, he's getting to do what he wants to do, which is great. Wow. I feel very patriotic talking about Sam. The The security at the White House, we tend to think of as the squarely the duties of the Secret Service. So do you know what the Marines actually do when they're assigned to the White House? So I was thinking about that myself because, you know, I know they, you know, you see on TV when the president gets off um, the helicopter, when he gets yeah. off um, and lands in the White House lawn, you usually see a Marine there, you know, saluting him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they could be in the back of the White House, they could be in the front. So I don't know exactly what this means. And maybe they don't want me to know. Maybe people don't yeah. know exactly, but Need to you know, know they're not, yeah, I mean, they're not right up, you know, feet away from the president, like the Secret Service, but they're like an added level of security in case they're needed, really. I think it's more for that than, you know, actually being on the president is, you know, are they needed because this is, this is an issue? Yeah. Well, and I'm sorry if I missed this, but he so he won't be there for the Trump administration, or is or is he possibly on his way while Trump is it still? Looks, it looks like he'll miss the Trump administration because he has to hook him home first, like very soon, and then he has to go through security training, and then he'll go to the White House. So I think by the time that all happens, we'll be looking at the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel safer that Sam will be. And Thank by the way, your son, who I've always thought is a fine young man, and I've coached him before and watched him play sports and stuff, he kind of looks like a Marine. Don't you he think? Really <laughs> he really does. He, he's got he those, does. He's got that sturdy facial structure. He's got a, he's got, he can be, you know, he's a, he's a sweet kid, but he can also have that serious look on his face. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty stoic, quiet kid ordinarily, but I think. We're going to see, he's going to be different, I think, when uh, we see him shortly. He's been, you know, everything he's been through for the last six months. But we've been talking to him a lot, especially in the weekends when they have liberty. That's when they can use their phones. And we've been talking to him a lot. We couldn't during basic training at all. That was hard. That was for several months. But, but we've been talking to him a lot more lately and, you know, having long conversations. And it's been really nice. That's great. Did he have any trouble with the, the physical requirements of basic training because from everything we hear and see that can be rough it's pretty much the reason why i never entered in the military because i just i remember 
I got uh, a job interview coming out of law school to intern for the the Air Force, I think, you know, as a, you know, a trainee slash lawyer type, but you still have to go through basic training to, to become a member of the Air Force. And I remember them telling me how fast I had to run the mile or something like that. And I was like, nope, I'm out. Did, <laughs> did, he, did he have any trouble with that? I mean, he said it was incredibly difficult. And the first week they really try to break you the first week. And he said, you know, a few days in, He's like, I don't know if I, he's like, I want to come home. Yeah. But I, but I guess, you know, everybody goes through that in the first week. They have that period of time where they're like, they're questioning what they're doing and they just want to come home. Yeah. And um, you got Lewis Gossett Jr. screaming in your face. Don't eyeball me, boy. Exactly. That's exactly. the Navy actually, but Marines is probably no, even tougher. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, he said it was incredibly difficult, but you know, he's the kind of kid, you know, and you know him mm-hmm. who you know, just going to put his head down and do what he needs to do. And, you know, he just plowed through it, really. And it was, you know, we've heard a few stories, I'm sure here, we'll hear a lot more when he gets home. But, you know, we kind of joked a little bit that that he's like Forrest Gump, and that <laughs> you just tell him what to do, and he'll do it. <laughs> right. Run, Sam, you know? run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, I, from what I'm told, that's the military is cut out for that sort. And you're right. I mean, it's. A, I mean, he's a lot smarter than and has a lot more intellect than Forrest Gump did. But yes. it, it was that moment in the film where he enters the military and you're like, oh, poor Forrest, how's he going to do in the military? And he says, actually, I kind of like the military. They tell me what to do and I do it or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the scene. That's the scene where we talk about as a family all the time. That's funny. So good on you, Sam Freeman. We the nation is behind you and happy to have you protecting us. So. Tell us what's going on in the real estate industry lately. I know that early on in the pandemic, I remember seeing some fierce social media posts by you about how the the stay-at-home order is kind of a raw deal for realtors, you know, trying to get out there. And I know that you've been able to get out there since, but how has it changed for better or for worse, home sales and rentals and everything? So it's really interesting because what's happened is not what I think any realtor really could have predicted. So... Yeah, that first month when they did the stay-at-home order, you know, nobody wanted to put their house in the market. So regardless of what realtors wanted, nobody wanted to put their house in the market and have strangers in it. And no buyers wanted to go in houses. Who knows what they were going to deal with? So it really came to a standstill. Originally, real estate was um, put down by, as, a, as one of the, one of the businesses, one of the industries that was not essential. So that's when that's when you're referring to my social media yeah. posts. That's when I went off a little bit because <laughs> I thought like, how could real estate not be essential? Yeah. So that actually lasted one day. Okay. And yeah. And then the we have some pretty strong labor groups, the Mass Depart- Mass Association of Realtors, Great Boston Real Estate Board of Realtors, and they fought that. But for a good month, really very little was happening. And I think the, you know, for the vast majority of us, not all of us, that was going to last a while. And then strangely enough, what happened, and I did a real estate seminar a couple of weeks ago and, and showed these two charts. If you look at the number of new listings and the number of listings going under agreement this year, you see a huge dip for that month. Mm. And then all of a sudden, much sooner than anyone could have forecasted, it just skyrockets up like by mid-April. And I would not have expected that soon. And by late May, 2020 was back to 2019 levels really? for those two for those two measures. And those to me are the key measures. Yeah. Who's putting that you know, how many listings are going under agreement, meaning accepted offers and 
purchase and sales sign. So since then, 2020 has been doing great. Volume-wise, we see that houses that are going on the market are going, for the most part, right away, over-asking, bidding wars, very few days on the market. We, we see more of that than we've seen in a while. And I just wouldn't have forecasted that real estate would make that big of a comeback that quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a lot of things. I think that those first couple months, things had to settle down. And I know doing what I do, producing podcasts is a lot different than real estate. But for that first month, I was really concerned that people were going to be like, well, I got to batten down the hatches here. I can't afford to, you know, spend money on producing a podcast. But then <laughs> people realized that like, in a way, the pandemic became time to turn your attention to things that maybe you had been putting off. Like, I, I mean, you know, f- for example, if you were thinking about selling your house, you know, why not? You've got the time now you're at home to, if you need to right. stage it or do all the things that you help them do to get it ready for sale. So good to hear. Good to hear. Before I forget, tell people where they can get in touch with you, more information about your services. Sure. So the best way to get in touch with me is by phone. And my number is 617-759-1513. You could also send me an email at mike.freeman at nemoves.com. I have my own Facebook page called Mike Freeman's What's Going On in Real Estate. That's also what I call my seminar. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have them monthly now by Zoom and then in person at McMorgan's in Sharon, which is where I was having them pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they could also check out my my website, MikeFreemanHomes.com. So lots of ways to get in touch with me. And your and, presentation uh, is on what? It's about real estate markets. It's about, it's for sellers. It's for buyers. It's for both. What is it? So, you know, change it up a little bit every time. And it's always about the data. It's always about houses that have sold or houses currently in the market. It's not a home buying seminar, a home selling seminar. You know, it's really, I'm trying to highlight that I know the data really well. And I know it's going on the market based on fact, not based on here's what I think I'm seeing. So what I focused on last time was three major things that I felt at the top of people's minds. One was what's going on in Boston versus the suburbs, because what you see is what you would expect. The number of condos is the inventory is up 50%. And all around the country, not just in greater Boston, if you look at the suburbs, inventory is way down and interest rates are way down, which is why you're getting the bidding wars and and houses selling so quickly. But people are leaving the city, going to the suburbs. So in Boston, you see a 50% increase in the number of condos that are on the market, and it's making it really difficult for people to get rid of them. They're sitting there longer. Prices have stabilized on those properties. They're not really going down yet, but they will. And that's when I think you'll start to see a lot of opportunities for people. So that was one major thing I looked at. And then I looked at what was going on in a lot of the different suburbs. So I'm based in Sharon. My office is in Sharon but I go all over. And so I looked at some towns where I've done business. I looked at Quincy and Weymouth and Newton, you know, Canton, Stoughton, some towns around here, some towns aren't, but whatever suburb you looked at, you saw the same trend. You saw that the inventory was going down. You saw that the prices were going up and you saw that the days in the market was going down. And it was, you know, all over every suburb. It was just a matter of, you know, maybe a little more here than there, one suburb versus another. But so I looked at it, the second and third really were a combination of what was going on with prices and then what was going on with inventory. 
of the second and third things I looked at. So yeah, so I have those every month. The next one's not scheduled yet, but it's going to be a Zoom call. And I was previously having them at McMorgan's and Sharon, which was a great location. They gave me that. For those who've been there, they gave me a room in the back. Yeah. Close the door. It's a good room. Yeah, you've been there. So yep. it's that's you know pretty much what's going on in real estate. And that's what I like to call it. And it's based on what you really see out there, not based on what I think, based on you know my work. And people find out about those seminars by visiting your Facebook page or? So definitely that's probably the best way. Mike okay. Freeman's What's Going On in Real Estate is the name of my Facebook business page. That's the best way. I also advertise it on LinkedIn. I send, I send out invites to LinkedIn and Facebook contacts. But if you're not a contact, then that's probably the best place to find it is on my Facebook page. I boost my ads and hopefully people see it that way. But I'd say that's probably the best way for somebody listening right now who wants to find it. That's the place to go. And now to the most important question, Mike, has Phil, the character of Phil Dunphy done wonderful things or terrible things for the image of the real estate agent? (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny. There's one episode where he's, I don't know if you're, if people remember, there's one episode where there's an old lady who is selling her house and she's doing some things that she's not supposed to be doing. So Phil goes to the house with Gloria and he's like rattling off all these violations mm-hmm. and she says what are you some kind of real estate agent and gloria says he is a realtor there is a difference somehow <laughs> and it and it turns out it i mean they must have done their research because the difference is anyone can be a real estate agent but oh. to have a realtor designation you have to go through take the class get a license keep up with the continuing ed so it's kind of funny that they did that because it was like you know right on um, That's funny. Yeah. yeah we're, talking, I mean, would, we're talking, of course, about Modern Family for those who might have been under a rock and missed this wonderful show yeah. that had a, a huge run that just ended recently. I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead, I think, Sorry. I, I think overall the characters helped because people, you know, understand even more, you know, what it's like and, and having a family. And, you know, there's always a, that comical look at it. There was one where he, he and another woman, Mitzi, she like pretended that he threw her in the bushes so that she could get a listing. So oh, there's yeah. some really funny stuff that it shows. Yeah, that was uh, actress Ellen Barkin, who was just... Oh, all, was it? Yeah, all of Phil's competitors, there's another one played by that comic whose name is escaping me, but all of his competitors are terrible. They're just terrible people. They're always stabbing in the back. Yeah. But Phil never gives up his optimism and all that. He, yeah. ha- he has, in fact, just for the heck of it, I'll play a short clip of a passage from Phil's book. He wrote a book, apparently, I don't know if it's real, but called Phil's Osophy or Phil's Philosophy or whatever. Anyway, this is them talking about it. Marry someone who looks sexy while disappointed. Older black ladies make the best iced tea. Success is 1% inspiration, 98% perspiration, and 2% attention to detail. (laughs) You can tell a lot about a person from his biography. Watch the sunrise at least once a day. If you love something, set it free. Unless it's a tiger. If you're ever in a jam, a crayon scrunched up under your nose makes a good pretend mustache. When life gives you lemonade, make lemons. Life will be all like, what? <laughs> Those are Phil's Dunphy's rules to live by, I guess. Yeah, I, I kind of wish and hope that's a real book because I would definitely buy it. That would Any, be great. And, yeah, and I think 
starting show. I think the comedian we're thinking of is Rob Riggle. Yes, exactly. That's it. Yeah. He's his main competitor. And yeah, he's like a typical Rob Riggle character. And, but no, it, it's funny. And like, I, I like that they did that one scene with the older woman because they made sure it was like really authentic and really accurate in terms of, you know, what does it mean to be a real estate agent versus a realtor? But I didn't realize that it was Ellen Barkham, but that scene when she throws mm. herself in the bushes to try to get the sympathy of right. the other folks, it's right. just hysterical. Right. And featured frequently as a quasi-recurring character is that Rob Riggle character, Gil Thorpe. It's a perfect name for a cutthroat guy, but and really uh, he's the thorn in Phil's side. But yeah. Phil always comes out on top. Anyway, so awesome, awesome stuff, Mike. So now we need to turn, because I promised to the world of sports, I know you're a rabid Boston sports fan. What town did you grow up in, by the way, Mike? I, I don't think I know that. I grew up in Milton. Oh, okay. I went to high school in Milton at uh, dear old Milton Academy. Yeah, they, they don't welcome me back with such open arms because I don't write them big checks. I mean, it's Milton Academy. What, what are you going to do? It's Milton Academy. I can write a check for $100, and they're like, oh, gee, thanks. So, but the as we record this on a Monday in December, the Patriots have now a 5% chance of making, or maybe 6% chance of making the playoffs. I mean, it's all but over. And uh, what did you think of the Cam Newton experiment or whatever it was? Well, I mean, he's a great leader. Yeah. He can still run, but the guy can't throw. <laughs> and, you know, last time I checked, you need your quarterback to throw. Yeah. Uh, he just can't, you know, he's six, five and he's getting, you know, all his passes. So many of his passes are getting batted down by the defensive line. You know, his throws are inaccurate and I know they don't have the greatest receivers, but you know, he just can't throw. Yeah, it looks so. like he's throwing a bowling ball every time. It looks like he's laboring just to get it out of his hand. And, yeah, it's like the last quarterback that couldn't throw who did anything was probably Tim Tebow. And it took, like, a, a string of near miracle, unlikely wins for him to have any success at all. And even them, even then they cut him after the season. Right. So, I mean, uh, New Orleans has that guy, Taysom Hill, but who seems like more of a, a gadget player than an actual QB, but he can at least throw the ball. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not always perfect, but yeah, poor Cam. But, you know, it, it, what's kind of a shame about it is I think where you might be going is he's easy to root for, and he's positive, and, you know, the, all the reports are that he's a great leader. I didn't expect that. I thought he was a petulant, spoiled brat coming in here. Yeah, yeah I think that's what people thought. But, you know, anyone who dances throughout practice – yeah. You have to admire that, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, so that, that, yeah. that alone. Right, that alone. So in light of the fact that Cam, I think we have to assume he's not back next season, don't you think? Yeah, I can't see him being back. But the interesting thing about Cam, and I was thinking about this, and I'm actually I'm wondering what you think. I was, I was talking to Sam about this because he's, you know, I miss my sports buddy, right. and we catch up on the weekends. I, I can see Cam, given that he's still a good athlete, can still run, can't throw. I can see him, who knows, maybe he'll uh, play another position. Maybe he'll be a tight end. I mean, I'll, he's a great athlete. I'll bet he can catch the ball. Yeah, um, if the reports are really true, that he, I, I, what I think, and, and the reason I think it's, judging by the fact that I think it's a good idea, mean, means it'll never happen in hell, in hell. But why not keep him on next year as a backup? You know, groom your new QB, whether it's Stidham or somebody that they draft, and let Cam stay on as a mentor, and then he's not the worst guy in the world to bring in if, if the QB gets injured. You know, I mean, you know, he can at least 
you know, competently run the offense, it, it, he won't, there won't be any fireworks. And then you can bring him in as a, as a, what do you call it? The one, there's only the one guy in the backfield there, the wildcat, right? Wildcat, yeah. yeah. And then he can be kind of a half player, half coach, you know, but right. they'll, they'll never do it. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of it will come. I think a lot of it will come down to what does he want? Because he's, you know, he's only 31. He's still young. He's going to be a free agent. So if the Patriots don't decide to bring him back as their backup, then, well, actually, I mean, he's a free agent. So I think that's a big part of the equation. Would he want to do what you just, you know? Yeah, right. I don't know. But I don't, at this point, is there really a team that that wants to put him in as starting QB? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. No. And he loves Belichick and Belichick loves him and, you know, he is a strong leader. So, you know, who knows? He, he could very well be back in that role you just described. Yeah. Well, in honor of Cam Newton and the fact that he tried his darndest for us through this part of the season, we're going to do a round of Wicked Smart where I quiz Mike on other Boston athletes who have only spent one year in this town. Let's play the game. That's smart. My boy's Wicked Smart. All right, I'm going to give you a few facts and figures about certain Boston athletes. I'll give you a hint. There are no hockey players. I'm not a hockey guy, so. But uh, other other than that, okay, other than that, it could be any. And you try to name what Boston athlete this is. The first guy is a Dominican former professional baseball third baseman. You can tell I'm reading from the Wikipedia page. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Anyway, he uh, made his Major League debut with the Dodgers in 1998. He subsequently played for the Mariners, Red Sox, and Rangers. Had just one season with the Sox, but it was memorable. Can you name this former Red Sox one-year wonder? Adrian Beltre. That's right. Wow. Off to a rousing start. (laughs) And I like him because my son's name is Adrian, and, you know, that's right. You know, for a while there was there were a lot of Adrians in town. We had Adrian Griffin on the Celtics, and anyway, all right, let's do another Red Sox player, a Canadian-born player. He played for the Padres, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Red Sox, and then he later played for the Mets and the Mariners. Played left field, slender young man, and let's see what else can I tell you? Three-time All-Star, three-time. Tip O'Neill Award winner as the best Canadian baseball player, which I have no idea why it's called that. That's kind of weird. You got I know it? His first, I can picture him. I know his first name's Jason. That's right. And his, his, his last name, think- it could be used to describe a, a body of water, usually the one in uh, near San Francisco. Bay, Jason Bay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he replaced... He, he replaced Manny. That's right. That's right. This next one should be easy. Uh, former NFL player, played for 11 seasons, primarily with the Jets. He played cornerback, but he had one memorable season for the Patriots. He was named to seven Pro Bowls, and he won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Can you name this player? Darrell Revis. That's right. Mike Freeman, undefeated so far. <laughs> All right, audience. Let's keep going. Let's do a few more. Let's see. Baseball pitcher, Hall of Famer, played 20 seasons for the Mets, the Reds, the White Sox, and just one season with the Boston Red Sox. Played on the Sox during our sort of formative years. Tom Seaver. That's right. 
Wow, I haven't gotten you on any of these yet. This player played for the Red Sox technically in two different seasons, but if you add up all the time, it, it really comes to kind of one season. He played, this guy played everywhere. He played for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, the Reds, the Washington Nationals, the Oakland A's, the Red Sox, the Braves, and the Royals, but he did help the Red Sox to a World Series title. He was primarily an outfielder, I believe. He was also kind of nuts. He's kind of nuts. Outfielder, uh, uh, DH. Oh, Johnny Damon? No. No. Royals. I was thinking Royals. But you got the first name right. Series. He was actually on the cover of Sports Illustrated during the Red oh, Sox. I know I know who you mean. Yeah, the big guy who's part of growing the beards. No, but not Napoli. Not an athlete, but had some big hits in the postseason That's in right. 2013, right? Yeah. I said you had the first name right on Johnny. Yeah. Johnny. Wait, don't tell me. <laughs> Well, I know we're on the. I, I know there's a time limit. Yeah, well, there isn't. It's a podcast. We can go on as long as That's as true. long as we want. Um, looking for Johnny Gomes. Johnny Gomes. Oh, yeah. Right. That's right. That's okay. Your record is still quite solid, Mike. Here's a uh, New England Patriot player. He let's see. Played college football at Western Illinois. That definitely doesn't help. He played linebacker. He was a fifth-round pick by the Miami Dolphins, rose to prominence as a standout during his 12 NFL seasons from 1991 through 2002. And towards the end of his career, he had a memorable season with the Patriots and helped lead the Patriots to their first Super Bowl title. Brian Cox. Brian Cox is right, yes. I remember. Now, you. I know you, you have season tickets to the Patriots, well, when we used to go to games. Were you at the snow game? Yeah, I was at the snow game. I actually got to go to the Super Bowl that year. It's my one Super wow. Bowl. Wow, that was a good uh, one to pick. Yeah, that was a great one. I went with another Sharon resident who you know well, Mark Filkowski. Yeah, shout out um, Flip. Yep. Yeah, tickets. Yeah, Cox was what Belichick used to. Lo- I don't know if he does it so much anymore. He used to love having at least one veteran linebacker that could just be kind of like the the Papa Bear. And Cox was known as sort of a ne'er-do-well at oftentimes, getting in trouble and stuff. But apparently he was a model citizen for the Patriots. And during that snow game, which they should do like a whole series of documentaries about that game. I'm sure they have, <laughs> like a 30 for 30 or something. But it was right after 9-11. The security at the stadium was thus amped up. And I don't know if you remember, it was hell getting into the stadium. There was just this mass, mass of people that were police on horses and then you got in there as soon as they kicked off it started to snow so that just adds to the drama but the John Gruden and the Raiders were at a point in the game where they just had to make a third and one in order and they would have run out the clock and the Patriots season would have ended and Brian Cox I I recently saw this as a doc on a a short segment documentary on Ernie Adams the the Patriots sort of uh, unseen whiz kid upstairs friends of Belichick he said they went to a goal line defense even though the ball was on like the 30 something and it's very rare to go to a, a goal line defense but cox came up and made that hit all right well enough patriots yeah, porn. i don't remember that that one play but i remember i had a snow drift on my head and i almost missed the end of that game can i tell a, a very yeah, tell us so i was you know with mark with um, mike belzano another sharon resident and when the infamous tuck rule play happened and the referees were reviewing it, I turned to the guys, the five of us, and I said, you know, look at Brady's arm. It went forward, but then he pulled it back. And, of course, nobody knew the tuck rule. And I said, he's pulling his arm back. 
that's a fumble. That course, it used to be. Yep. And the Raiders got it and their season's over. And I literally started to walk out. I was like down a few steps. Yeah. And and then Mike Belzano said, well, you know, you better wait. Let's just see what happens. Yep. And because of that, I waited. And then we all know what happened from there. But yeah. I could have been gone. I could have been <laughs> on the outside in the parking lot yeah. and miss. I could have missed the whole thing. If not yeah. for Mike. I mean, I remember that. What people might not remember is that, you know, it was a controversial call. And by now, I think it's pretty well established. It was a bad rule that was correctly enforced. And I forget the exact language of the rule. But at the time, I like you and I think like pretty much everybody in the stadium being a football fan, you know, a fumble when you see one. And that, right. was, that wasn't an attempted pass. It just wasn't. I mean, his arm had gone forward, but then, like you say, and as soon as the referee, I'll never forget the, you know, the referee saying, upon reviewing the play, the quarterback's arm was moving forward, and then you couldn't hear anything he said after that because everyone went nuts. It was like, yeah. oh, my God, we've got a chance. And then Vinatieri and the whole thing. It was a crazy night, and I can remember just sitting there with the snow drift on my head and just being miserable. I was absolutely miserable. Yeah. But when that play happened, yeah. you, know, you remember everything that happened from that point forward was a positive Patriots play. And we just went nuts after that. I was no longer cold. Yeah, exactly. You totally forgot about the cold. We'll do two more on, on Wicked Smart before we wrap this up. Here's a former Red Sox player. He played much of his career with the Cincinnati Reds. He was a first, was he a first baseman or an outfielder? First base, primarily first baseman. Also played a little third base, according to this. He had his best year with the Red Sox in 1989 when he hit, I don't know, more than 20 home runs. I don't have the exact. Oh, he hit 30 home runs for the Sox. And then traded with uh, relief pitcher, traded for Todd Benziger. That's just weird. And he later succumbed to the symptoms of vertigo and could no longer play baseball. Do you remember this Red Sox? Oh, yeah. One hit wonder. Yeah, at the beginning of what you said, I was going to say Tony Perez. But then when you said the year and the vertigo, it was Nick Asaski. Nick Asaski's right. That's good. Yeah. At the time, it seemed like a bad trade shipping him out of town. But then it was very strange. He was forced to retire from the Braves after playing just nine games due to developing vertigo stemming from an ear infection. Jeez, that is a terrible ear infection. All right, the final one, this guy, and I'll give you a hint. He died in 1988 at the at a young age, 40. I think he had a heart attack or something. Anyway, Hall of Famer basketball player, but only played one season with the Celtics. He was one of the youngest members ever inducted into the Hall of Fame. Some called him perhaps the greatest creative offensive talent in history. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Do you know who this player is or you want another hint? Um, he played when? He played in the 80s. Let's see. It wasn't Pistol Pete. Yes, it was. Oh. What a way yeah. to end. Nice going. Yeah. Pat, John Halicek once said that Pistol Pete was the best ball handler of all time. He died suddenly at age 40 during a pickup game in 1988 as a consequence of a previously undetected heart defect. That is a commonly recurring problem with Celtics, apparently. Yikes. It really um, does. That's a sad story. He was a great player. Yeah, and definitely contributed his season with the, the Celtics and then kind of retired kind of suddenly. I don't know if maybe if that was in hindsight because of uh, health reasons. Only played uh, 1980 for the Celtics, so he didn't even stick around for the championship year with Larry Bird. Anyway, uh, great job on that, Mike. We've got a, a couple minutes here, so we're going to get in a quick 
edition of Good Stuff, where both Mike and I will recommend something good for you listeners. Before we do that, let me take just one minute to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want. Your own podcast will produce the whole thing for you. Soup to nuts. Mmm, soup and nuts. Nice on a cold. Oh, anyway, we'll ship a USB mic out to you, quality microphone. We'll set the whole thing up, intro music, outro music. You pay us to make you a star. Go to pod617.com to get started. Podcast is a great way to connect with your audience, your clients, your friends, your family, whoever you want to reach. You invite them to be guests on your show. We can pipe them in remotely or in person in our Westwood studio. And... The rest will be his podcast history, pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, in pod we trust. All right, let's play an edition of Good Stuff. Here's the intro music for Good Stuff. That's the good stuff. All right. Mike, would you like to go first or would you like me or would you like to defer? Since I'm not sure exactly what we're doing, so I'll defer. <laughs> All you got to do is recommend something good that's come across in, into your world in the last few months or whatever. I'm gonna give an I'm gonna give an example. I've recently binged a documentary series on Netflix called Netflix called Room Two Eight O Six: The Accusation. And to get a little flavor of that, I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer here and uh, mike you can watch and the rest of our listening audience will just have to listen because it's a podcast after all and uh, here's the trailer room on netflix room 2806. And Yang of New York. We have a very serious sexual assault here. But in this particular case, it was just too complicated. From a variety of sources, there was a consensual sexual act which occurred in his room. How does this nine-minute sexual encounter add up to consent? It's a huge storm of elements that the whole world is watching. 200 press people outside, I just see them. For me, c'est une violence inouïe, c'est la chute d'un aigle. Il est attentif, jolie femme, mais il n'est pas le seul, hein? All right, you know what? We don't speak French here anyway, but you get a, a glimpse of what's going on there. It's a documentary about the former French politician, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who was apparently on the verge of, he was head of the IMF and on the verge of being the next president of France. And in 2010, many remember this. I, for some reason, didn't remember it barely at all, but he was in a New York swanky hotel and allegedly sexually assaulted a hotel maid and everything you know kind of blew up after that but it's an interesting doc they have extensive interviews with the victim the maid and you know she's got her life on the right track now but it was arduous for her to go through this whole thing and it's you look at at it differently now in the age of me too so i recommend it on netflix room 2806 mike you got something yeah i got something so one thing i've done during the pandemic and there's like a little subculture of people who's done this is i'm constantly at the dog park so th this doesn't have to be just tv or movies no this is anything, no this right? is great this is a good one i can already tell yeah I, and i really didn't do much of this at all before the pandemic. Wait, hold on hey, there's a dog in here okay 
That's a dog sound effect. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. My dog likes to sit below my desk, so I'm looking right now to see if you he heard that. He's, <laughs> he's too asleep. Okay. But uh, yeah, I take him to the dog park all the time. He just hear those, hears those two words, and he gets all excited. I'm surprised <laughs> he's not now. But, you know, I was just there yesterday. I've met a bunch of people. I always make sure I, I've given out my business card. Nice. I don't, Is this you know, the one at near Deborah Sampson Park and Sharon? Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the dog, I've, I've been saying the dogs are the big winners during the pandemic because the owners are already always around and they always want to go for a walk, right? <laughs> always. And look at how many dogs have been adopted during the pandemic. Yep. Yep. What's your dog's name? Charlie. Charlie. Good. And what kind of dog is he? So Ruth calls him a Lassalier. He's a Lassa Apso and a King Charles Springer Spaniel. Mm. Well, that is a, that is an excellent suggestion because I'm told that, you know, dogs need socialization just like people. And so dogs might be going a little stir crazy themselves. Mike, you know, my girlfriend, Brenda, she has a dog, Kobe, who is, let's see, what is he? Chickapoo, Chickapoo, something like that. Anyway, he's a mixed breed, but he's little. He's not quite like tiny, like toy dog little, but he's a little dog. And we took him to that dog park a few times, but he's the smallest one in there. And it's just funny to see how he reacts. He, he, he wants to, you know, engage and more specifically sniff the other dog's butts. You know, yeah. what, what dog do, doesn't want to do? That's so much fun. But he, like an infant would do, he sometimes runs back to mommy and looks up at her as if to say, pick me up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but good crew sure. over there. So, um, Charlie will do that sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry, one, I mean to interrupt you, okay. Dave, but. Yesterday, I had a very momentous thing happen to me there. A dog peed on me. And so I don't, I don't know if he was, I don't know if he marked me as his territory. I right. may be, you know, I may be his bitch now. <laughs> yes. I don't know. That's where that term came from, the double meaning. Yes. It, and I, I don't know. You know, I think when anything horrible happens like that, you're supposed to say it's good luck. You know, if a bird yeah. poops on you, oh, that's good luck. Dog peed on you. Good luck. I mean, really. in your wedding day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's that right. Crap. That's right. Well, Mike Freeman, you've been an awesome sport. And one more time, tell people, let's see, if they want to go to the Facebook page, what is what do they search for? Let me ask So search that. for Mike Freeman's What's Going On in Real Estate, and you'll find it. That's the best place to go. Excellent. You'll learn all about how to get in touch with Mike for all your real estate needs, for his seminars, and all that. Hope you enjoyed the Boston Podcast. Thank you for listening, kids. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. Share it with a friend. And if you want your own podcast to be the next big podcast star, go to pod617.com to get started. On behalf of Mike Freeman and Charlie, who's still sleeping apparently, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Go let the dogs out. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh.